Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Welcome. The Word of Hope sermon series is a ministry of Grace Family Church of Rhode Island. It was instituted to bring sound teachings from the Word of God to as many people as possible. Our purpose is to offer you a message that is both practical and contemporary, that brings the Word of God to light in a way that makes sense in daily life. As you listen to this message, it is our hope and prayer that the Lord will bless you through it and bring you hope, comfort, and guidance. And now, Pastor Kotze. I don't think we need to stress how life can be overwhelming sometimes, right? It feels like we are caught in a whirlwind. And when I think of a whirlwind, now by the grace of God, I've never been caught in a tornado, although I've seen the edge of a hurricane, but I've never been caught in a tornado. But I've heard and seen what the tornado can do. And uh, imagine the wind for a second and how strong the wind can be. I remember trying to figure out as I was a young man how strong the wind can be by putting the arm outside the window of a fast driving car and feeling the pressure of the wind. And sometimes I had to be careful because it, was, it could dislocate my shoulder if I got it the wrong way. But imagine being caught in a shelter and hearing this famous freight train coming. That's the noise of the wind. And then stuff slamming all around. Now, it is true that the disciples were not caught in a tornado, but it was quite a storm, enough to scare them. And look, to scare a sailor, to scare a fisherman, well, it's not an easy thing. It takes quite a bit of wind. It takes quite a bit of water. It takes a situation where these people are beginning to question whether the boat is going to make it. And it kind of reminds me of us in life. If it's not because of the news that we hear on TV, which can be overwhelming, concerning, worrisome, it's because of what we see around in our communities. I remember walking through, not walking actually, I'm sorry, I remember driving through a road with my daughter in the car and seeing a cross on the side and remembering what kind of accident that was. And, and I made a comment, isn't it sad that that happened the way it did? And she said, yes, Dad. And then she said, by the way, a person I work with was on the rescue that went to pick up that person. And he was on the rescue that went to that other accident where the two people on the boat died. And he was on the rescue where he was, and he, she kept going on and on and on. Obviously, this person works in rescue as well as where she works. And the list was long. And I'm thinking, yeah, sometimes life feels like a whirlwind. I remember some of the times in our life where we felt caught in that whirlwind. It seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Health, finances, possessions, work, family, friends, neighborhood. Everything seemed to be just plunging down in a vortex of bad stuff. And it can be overwhelming. And it can be scary, can't it? It can be scary because we feel so helpless. And there are many people today in this world that feel utterly helpless. 
Many people, they look around and they see all these things happening and, and they feel like, whoa, what if that happens to me? You know, the young person's thinking, I remember growing up, hearing all sorts of different things, and my usual turning, it's very common, was, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. And yes, I'm being a bit of a daredevil too, in my days, doing things that perhaps right now I wouldn't even think of doing. But the thought was again, it's not, nothing's going to happen to me. It's going to be okay. Well, the day comes when it's not quite okay. And then all of a sudden we feel like, why me, right? <laughs> we go from one ditch to the other ditch. It's never going to happen to me to the why me thing. But the fact is that life happens to everyone. The fact is that life can be overwhelming for everyone. And some of us show it more than others, perhaps fine, but it is overwhelming for every one of us because that's the nature of life. And we praise God for the good times in life, right? We praise God for the quiet moments. We praise God for the moments where everything is okay because we realize that some of those moments are rare and far in between. And I hope that we are not the kind of people that when everything goes well, we brace for the storm. I hope we allow ourselves to enjoy the moment. Jesus himself said, look, a day is enough. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now look at what happened at this time. And think about life as a, a big storm. Think of life sometimes being like a gale wind. Think of life being something that rocks your boat so much that you feel like you're going to be sinking any moment, any time. Because sometimes it does feel that way. Now we know Jesus went through a number of pressures We've seen that before. We won't comment on that much again. But verse 22 in Matthew 14, he immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. That's the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And after he sent the crowds away, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Then dark came and he was there alone. All right, a number of things. There could be a couple of sermons in that too. But first of all, it's okay to take time alone. Jesus was surrounded by need, and yet he still said, okay, the time has come now to dismiss the crowds. By the way, a little bit earlier, he had said to the disciples, no, don't send them away, feed them. But now the time had come for the crowds to go home, and the time had come for him to be alone for a while. That is so important, by the way, sometimes that God, in this case, worked out a miracle, was willing to work out a miracle, was willing to to go against the laws of nature for that to happen. But not just that. God had other reasons for that, as we'll see in a moment. But that's one of them. It's okay sometimes for us to be alone and recharge. Now, obviously, it was evening, it was dark, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, so not short, long distance from the land. But it was battered by the waves, and the winds were contrary. So they were fighting both the waves and the winds. I don't know how big that boat was, but I've been in a small boat caught in the waves. And it can be scary. It can be scary. Because you know that if a wave hits your boat in the wrong way, your boat will turn around and capsize. And then you say, okay, if it capsizes, I may be able to swim if I don't get hit on the head or something like that. But then how do I turn the boat around? How do I get from there? What do I do from that point on? And all sorts of thoughts come through your mind, right? It's almost like when in life things happen so much that we feel like, whoa, what's going to happen next? And if that happens, what am I going to do about it? I don't know what to do. So they were in the middle of that storm. But Jesus waited. Interesting. 
I would like for you to pay attention to how much Jesus waits. I would like for you to notice the wind in the story here, in that event. It's not just a story that someone invented. This is actual events. But notice the wind. Because you will recognize sometimes the timing of God in your life. Oh, we get on our knees and we pray, God, please deliver me from this. And we expect, boom, done. And that boom, done, doesn't happen. So we go back to the Psalms and we feel like crying, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord? And the answer is, till it's time. Look at verse 25. In the fourth watch of the night, in the fourth watch of the night, he waited. He came to them walking on the sea. I don't know about you, but if I saw somebody in the night, in the middle of a storm, you know, I saw this in the dim light that they had, because by the way, they didn't have the big bright stadium lights around the boat, right? They had a lantern probably on the boat, or maybe the moonlight, not much on the moonlight, because if it was such a storm, chances are it was cloudy, so it was kind of gloomy, dark, the waves, the water, the wind, this dim light that they might have on, had on the boat, and in that dim light you see this figure coming at you walking on the water. And I would say, freaky, <laughs> scary, woo! I would probably scream too, wouldn't you? In the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. By the way, these were not little people scared of a mouse, all right? They were fishermen. People used to a rugged type style of life. But they were terrified. And it said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now these are Israelites. These are Jews. And they cry out in fear. Who do you think they cry out to? God, right? They grow up that way. So their first reaction would be crying out to God. God, please save us. Oh, God, please. And I find it very interesting, almost humorous, the way that Jesus answered. Almost like saying, were you calling me? Because he says, take courage, it's I, it's me, don't be afraid. I can see that reassurance in the words, like they're crying out for God to save them from this event. And Jesus says, here I am, you're calling me. Don't worry, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'm okay, it's okay. I, I hear my mother, when I felt like the whole world was crumbling over me, when I felt like everything was falling apart, when I felt like everything, I, I felt like I was dying. And my mother next to my bed would say, don't worry, it's okay. I'm here. I won't go away. And I felt like, ah, because I wanted my mommy. Have you ever felt that way? I remember when my father was in agony one day. He was quite old, but I heard him crying out for his mommy. And the disciples cried out, and Jesus, in that reassuring tone, says, Take courage. It's me. I'm here. It's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. Now, wait a second. Hold on. Stop the film, right? The wind was still going. The waves were still battering the boat. The storm was still in its full rage. Nothing stilled yet. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Does that sound familiar? Here I am in the storm of life. Here I am battered everywhere around by the events and the circumstances and the pain and the suffering and the illness or whatever it is that hits me by life or from life. And Jesus says, it's okay. And I said, but Lord, why don't you stop all this stuff? And then it's going to be okay. But he doesn't say that. He says, it's okay because I'm here. Are we catching that message? Are we getting it? It's okay not because the storm stops. It's okay because I am in it. I am here with you. Oh, but we say, you know, Lord, you don't need to be here. Just stop the storm, right? Make my life be just smooth. So I don't have to worry about anything. 
Do you know what happens when our life is smooth and we don't need to worry about anything? We don't need God. Oh, I don't want to disturb him. You know, he's busy somewhere out there. No, he's not busy. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to connect with us. I remember a period of time of regular, fervent prayer was when I started college. Listen, I, you, you think I make mistakes in English right now? I would say, you ain't heard anything, all right? You ask my wife how my English was when she met me. She almost still pulling her hair from that. It was bad. I was going to classes and I got special permission. I got special permission from most of the teachers to use a tape recorder to record the lecture and I had to go back and try to figure out what in the world they were saying. I remember my friends in the dorm, you know, we had a paper due. And I say, okay, fine, I go sit down and boom, 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 write it down, half an hour, done. Okay, let's go have fun. You gotta be kidding me. Here I am the whole night struggling on that paper to get that done. And I was envying those guys that did it in half an hour, I'll tell you. But you know, that brought me to my knees. That storm may not have been a huge storm for you. You know, it may not sound like a huge storm, but listen. It's not just the paper, okay? I left everything and everyone. When I got in the bus to go to the airport to catch the, the, the plane, to catch the other plane to go over to California. And by the way, when, when a friend of mine in my dorm, a dorm mate came in, arrived and says, you know, I traveled this many miles to get here. I looked at him and said, do you know I traveled that many miles to catch a plane to come here? <laughs> and he never bragged about the distance ever again. He was from Wisconsin. Well, it wasn't just the paper. You have to understand this. I gave up my family. When I got into the bus to get into the other plane, to get to the other plane and so on, my father looked at me and he says, what have we done to you that you abandoned the family? That was his goodbye. I left the family. I went over there on a scholarship with zero money. Everything depended on my grades because I had to have a minimum average of a B to maintain the scholarship. And I don't even understand what these guys are saying from in their lectures. Well, I do, but not quite clearly. There was so much at stake in there. Do you realize that if I was dropped out of the scholarship, I didn't even have the money to go back home? It was a storm for me. By the way, my wife had come to college with 25 cents, and she made it. So I guess both of us are a little stubborn as far as that is concerned. But it was a storm for me. And in that storm, God did not lift it. God did not work out a miracle. All of a sudden, make it so easy for me to do that stuff that, bam, sail along. No, I had to spend the entire night on my knees in prayer, begging God for me to be able to finish the paper so that the following day it could be given to the professor and I could have enough of a grade to maintain my scholarship. No, God does not remove the storms but it shows you his presence in the storm. Holding your hand and telling you, I'm here, take courage, don't be afraid, it's gonna be okay. Now, by the way, if I cruised along and I didn't have all that pressure around me, I wouldn't have learned English the way I did. In order to make it, I took every single course of English that college offered, all the way from English as a foreign language to the advanced American literature. I needed it. God did not make the path easy. But along the path, by the way, is where I met most of the giants of the faith I've ever met in my life that I often talk about. And it's thanks to them and their presence around and thanks to the surroundings that I made it through. And it's thanks to the same thing that I made it through other crises in my life. And it's thanks to the same that you made it through your crisis. 
Now look at verse 28. You like Peter? Quite a character, huh? Lord, if it is you, oh boy, have we ever heard that before? Have you ever heard prayers such as, Lord, if you are there, please do this. Hello? Jesus said, I am. Jesus said, you're calling for me, and here I am. And now Peter says, well, if it is you. <laughs> See how patient God is with us? If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You know, I have to be honest with you. I don't know what was going through Peter's mind at that time, but I can see one thing. Lord, I want to be next to you. Lord, I want to be with you. But you happen to be out there in the water. So tell me to come to you. Command me to come to you. And I'll get close to you. I'll do whatever you need to do. Just tell me and I'll do it. So Jesus said, wow, a long sentence. Come. See how much it takes for God to do a miracle? We see the prophets of Baal when they're confronted by Elijah. We see the prophets of Baal going on and on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes we find some Christians going on and on and on and on, thinking that, you know, the insistence or the multitude of words or whatever it is, the sacrifices, the beating down or whatever. It sounds almost like the prophets of Baal to make their God answer. Peter says, well, Jesus, if it's you, can you tell me to come to you? And he says, come. That's it. That's all it takes for a miracle. So Peter got off the boat. He got out of the boat, verse 28, 29, and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, hold on a second. The storm is not quiet yet. I have seen depictions of this, and they usually tend to have a problem. You have a boat, you have a still water, you have Peter walking on that wrong Add the waves that were scaring them out of their wits before that they thought that it would capsize the boat and make them drown. Add the wind, the storm. It was still there. So Peter stepped out of the boat in the midst of all that, and the wind was still blowing hard, and the waves were still splashing him all over the place. And yes, when he saw the wind, <laughs> I like sometimes the way Scripture minimizes things. Seeing the wind, he became frightened. <laughs> yeah, you think so? And he began to sink. And that too brings me back to many, many times I experienced where the storms of life were so strong that even in my way, hoping to be able to get closer to God, with desiring to go to Him, I feel like I'm, I'm sinking. I'm not going to make it. Have you ever felt that way? There was a time in my life, brothers and sisters, I was so blessed with a wife that understands me. And it's not easy, I'll tell you. But I was so blessed with a wife that understands me and a wife who will put God first no matter what. She maintained that commitment that she made when she was engaged to me. Before marriage, we made a mutual commitment that we will always be number two, never number one. But one during one of those storms, during one of those times in which I felt like absolutely was sinking, and it was in the pits of all that, that she came home one day with a gift, and she says, I want you to open it, and I want you to put it on your desk, and I want you to look at it all the time. So I opened it, and it's a sculpture. I still have it and I treasure it. It's a sculpture of a storm. You see a big wave coming over, and Jesus on the water, and Peter there sinking. But Jesus holds his hand and holds him up. And my wife said, the Lord is holding you up. Don't trust on yourself. Don't look at the storm. Look at him. Keep your eyes on him. You are okay. And I'll tell you, very few things have been as encouraging as that at that time. It was the perfect message that I needed to see that hand holding Peter right in front of me. You know, I know, I understand. It's just a sculpture. Who cares? But no, the message 
was important. God is holding you. What did Peter say? Lord, save me. Remember? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. Now, he had waited and waited and waited. But now when Peter cried out to him, immediately he reaches out, holds his hands, not only took hold of him, he pointed out the problem. Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? But he didn't let him drown because he doubted, did he? He didn't let him drown because he had little faith. And so here goes all the messages of people that told me in my life, you have to have enough faith for God to answer you. Oh, you of little faith, while he was being saved, why did you doubt? But I like the next word, when, not is that, when they got into the boat. Why do I like that when? Because it shows me that Peter walked on water again as Jesus was holding him. When they got back into the boat, there was a gaining back. But once again, I would like for you to notice the next statement, because that is a mind-boggler too. Here you have this big storm that scares these people in the boat. Jesus walks on the water in the midst of all that storm. He asks Peter to come to him. Peter steps out of the boat, walks for a while in the middle of all that storm. Then he starts sinking in that storm. Jesus picks him up, holds him up. They walk on water in the middle of a storm. Still, Jesus has not calmed the storm yet. But when eventually they get back to the boat, the wind stopped. I'm thinking, Lord, who stopped the wind? God did, right? Okay. So I say, Lord, why did you stop the wind only after you got in the boat? Wouldn't it have been easier to get in a boat without the storm, without the, the wind and the waves? But who said that life has to be easier? Yeah, it would have been easier. But who said that life has to be easier? Had Jesus stopped the wind and the waves, the lesson would not have been there. The meaning would not have been there. Because, you know, in the storms of life, you will not see the storms stopping and calming down until the purpose of that storm has been fulfilled in the will of God. Jesus had a purpose in allowing that storm to be there until that moment. But then when the purpose was finished, there was no need for the storm, so the wind will come. The storm was gone. It was smooth sailing. Notice the reaction of the disciples. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Well, what's the purpose of the storm? for us to recognize who God is. Because the one who is with us is so much greater than anything else. The one who is in us is so much greater than anything and anyone else. And we need him desperately. Now, brethren, I, I hope that we see this clearly. I hope this image is very clear. And I hope that the next time that we feel that way, caught in the middle of a storm, that we realize that even the storm serves a purpose in God's will and in, in, in God's plan for things. Now, what about us? I mean, not us when we are caught in the middle of a storm, because I'll tell you, when we are in the middle of a storm, all we can do sometimes is just what Peter did. Lord, save me, and reach out with a hand. Oh, translated in modern English, help, right? There are others in that boat that were not sinking. There are others around us, and us sometimes are around people who are going through the storm, even people who don't have Christ. By the way, those storms of life don't just happen to Christians, do they? So what is our role? What do we do? How do we look at it? And I would like the Apostle Paul to answer from Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 6. Faith, oh, by the way, wasn't that what Jesus was talking about with Peter? Faith, trust in him. 
And by the way, faith in the context of Peter did not mean, hey, Peter, you don't have enough faith to calm the storm. You don't have enough faith to, to kill the wind. You don't have enough faith to change the circumstances. No, no. What Jesus was talking about, oh, you a little faith, why don't you trust me? Why don't you know that I have a purpose for all this? Don't you understand yet that I love you? Don't you understand yet that I have a plan for you? Don't you understand yet that your life serves an absolutely majestic and awesome and transcendent purpose? So trust me, it will be okay. Faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. That simply means, hey, listen, Christ does not have to be coerced to come down. Christ came down of his own will. For what? For you, to meet you, to be at one with you, to establish that relationship, that connection with you. Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? You know, if it were depending on us, Christ would no longer be alive because he would still be dead. But thank God it doesn't depend on us, does it? It doesn't depend on our faith either. He is risen. He is alive. And that's independent of whether we believe it or not. It's independent of our faith and our trust even. But because he is alive and because he is indeed, then we can trust him. We can have that faith. But what does he say then, Paul says, as he's quoting from the Old Testament, by the way, these are, most of them are quotes from the Old Testament. He says, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we're preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Notice that again. I want to read it to you again. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. All who call on him. Peter did. Do we? And when we see someone else in the storms of life, do we call? on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now you might say, okay, hold on. You had me there, but now you lost me. What in the world does that have to do with what we're talking about? What's the most precious thing? What's the most precious thought, reality, truth that you can hang on to in the midst of that storm? Isn't that the Lord himself? Isn't that the fact that the Lord is there? That the Lord has not abandoned you? Isn't that what Jesus said to the disciples? Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I'm here. It's going to be okay. I am still in control. But how would you go through the storms of your life without that? How would Peter fare in the midst of that sea without Jesus? You see, we need him desperately. But other brothers and sisters who don't know him need him too. And Paul here reminds us that we are sent. Yes, we are sent. We have been given a truth. We have been given a knowledge. We have been given an understanding. We have been given a hope. And that hope is not just so that we can hold it dear for ourselves. That hope that is being given to us is so that we can share it. 
Because in the storms of life, we know how important that is. And when we see someone else in their storm of life, we know and we understand how important it is for them to be connected, for them to know that he is present and he is holding them. All they have to do is to reach your hand and allow themselves to be held. But again, I want to read that passage from Paul again. How will then they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Look at your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. You've been given good news, right? You've been given good news of good things, right? So look at your feet because those are beautiful feet. When they walk and they get dirty with the dirt and the sand that it takes for us to take that message, that hope, that good news of good things to others around us. Isn't that awesome? And that's our calling and that's our role. And so that covers when we are in the midst of that storm as well as when we are on the boat watching or perhaps on dry land, reaching out to someone who's been affected by that storm, or perhaps at home, talking to someone who's crying because of the news, or maybe on the street, reaching out to someone who's struggling for dear life because the storm of life brought them that down. Look around, and then look at your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being with us and in us. Thank you for being in the midst of our storms. Thank you so deeply and so much for the encouragement you give us, for sustaining us, and for sending us to bring the good news of good things, good things, great things, awesome things to others around us. Thank you.